All right. Hello. Welcome to episode 17 of the At U2 podcast, the podcast where we talk all things U2, album news, steward dates, community discussions from the staff of at U2.com. I'm joined this episode by Sherry. Welcome back to the show, Sherry. Greetings, Chris. How are you doing? I am doing well. And uh, we're recording at a different time, different place, another time, another place. Um, and uh, so it's just you and I to this week, this episode. Uh, well, no, I, I think that we might have a special guest drop in for the roundtable, don't you think? We, we might, yeah. If, we, if only we could see what happened in the past in the future or something like that. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be chatting. You can look forward to a chat with Aaron Govern, who is a, attending the uh, London shows that recently went down in, in London, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, and he's got some interesting stories to tell and uh, very exciting stuff that happened while he got he was at a couple of the shows never mind all the just the fun of being at a u2 show he had some extra exciting stuff so uh before we get going into the inbox you you had some miscellaneous items miscellaneous items to mention of of note i suppose we do um the innocence and experience tour has passed the 1 million attendance mark in cologne back on october 17th and uh, that came from our tours staffer, Ross Perry. And I'm just looking it up now, but um, Guy O'Seary had um, tweeted, I think it was yesterday, um, although it all depends on when you're listening. Um, he, he had noted that U2 has the number one, two, and three top spots on Billboard's current box office uh, concert chart which is kind of exciting with the box score. Uh, number one was uh, uh, their four nights in Barcelona where they grossed uh, just over $8.4 million with a capacity of just over 71000 Then number two uh, was their time in Belgium for those uh, two nights where they grossed uh, just over $4.7 million with over 45000 in attendance. And then number three was their uh, time in Cologne for those two nights where they grossed just over $4.1 million with over 35000 in attendance. So... Guess who may be buying some very nice Christmas presents this year? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> wow. When you say those kind of numbers, it's just like, it's hard to even fathom that over. And we all acknowledge that there's more to it than just like those three nights, obviously, of work that go into something like this. That, But still, you know, over a weekend, they grow yeah, eight not, and a half million or whatever. Not bad for a couple nights work, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we had that, but then we uh, we were contacted through our um, news tips um, link on our website from a fan who was at the Monday show in London who happened to bump into, I believe it was Gavin Friday, who was walking around with a big binder filled with sketches and detailed notes of camera placements and stage production and more as they were prepping for the uh, Paris shoot for the HBO documentary, um, um, not the documentary, rather, the actual concert that will be broadcast uh, next Saturday, November 14th. So they were using a lot of London 
to block shots, to figure out camera placement, and to do a lot of the dry runs ahead of next week's filming, which they will be um, filming shows one, two, and three specifically for HBO and probably putting together a, a nice composite of all three nights, depending on uh, which camera angle they like the best and all that stuff, seeing as they only have five hours in between the conclusion of the show in Paris and when it broadcasts for the first time in the U.S. at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, so they are hard at work with that, and I'm sure we'll see some more um, of that up in Glasgow over the weekend. Yeah, I wonder how that all works just on a technical side, and maybe there's somebody out there listening who knows and wants to come on and talk about it But um, the uh, on a future episode. But the you know just like the cameras and stuff that YouTube brings on the tour themselves just for the stage presentation and probably recording a lot of their own shows um, does HBO use those? Are they bringing their own stuff and they add more cameras to the stage setup or is it a mixture? And probably is the answer is probably a mixture of every, everybody's cameras, but. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it does appear like they're filming in, um, 4k. Right. If, if you saw any of the HBO promos that have been floating around in social media or actually on HBO, um, the clarity is just out of this world. Um, you could probably count the number of droplets of sweat on Bono's brow if you really look really closely. That's how good the camera work is on this. And with Hamish Hamilton directing it, he's very familiar with the band. He's, he's directed several of their other concert DVDs. So... Um, uh, the big question is, after seeing the show as many times as some of the fans have, you know, it's such a, it's such a uh, cornucopia of visuals. Um, how do you adequately capture everything uh, during particular songs? I mean, it's, 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 it's a mammoth task, and you two always seem to create these types of um, wonderful problems to have to solve. Um, so I am very interested in seeing how, um, how from a uh, concert standpoint, if you're watching on TV, how they're going to present it. Because when you see it live, um, there's, there's at least 15 different areas for you to be watching, and you can't really stay focused on any one area at any given time. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, they did, they managed to figure out the Zoo TV tour concert. And so I think this one, there's less screens on, on display at least. So <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, I, I'm true. looking forward that to it. That is true. And, um, so, so we did hear about a week or so ago and we did put on the front page of at you two, an update from HBO. And we're going to put the link in the show notes for the podcast about the documentary that was supposed to air on November 7th. That documentary is still in production. And HBO is is very excited to say that it's still in production and that while they do not have a um, official timeline as to when it will be finalized, that they very much look forward to seeing the end result. Now, when the uh, press release was um, was made public back on July 30th, at that point, the Dublin and the Belfast shows had not been announced yet. And the working title for the documentary is um, um, something along the lines of like you two finding home. So it would be kind of odd to show a documentary where the tour hasn't concluded yet. And you know that they're going home. You know that they're ending in, 
in Dublin. So it's kind of like, you know, um, um, is it going to be a cliffhanger documentary? Will they ever find home? Will they ever make it back to Dublin? <laughs> Tune in next year. So I think what they wanted to do was um, get the complete um, uh, filming done. And this has very much been a tour about the narrative, about the storytelling, um, uh, you know, talking about uh, how act one of of the show is very much that narrative and it's next to impossible for, uh, for them to break up from Iris all the way through until the end of the world, that that is a piece of theater that they do not want to break up. So thinking about the story and the narrative, it would make sense that the documentary would also in- have that full narrative. So while we're a little disappointed, I'd rather have the full story than only have um, something that was half-assed done. So um, I'm sure that the documentary will probably be completed with um, within a very uh, um, expeditious time frame to keep everything fresh and relevant. And they may actually end up using the documentary to potentially announce another set of tour dates and 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 to use that to really hype up the next leg or legs of the tour. Uh, they would be smart to do that. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the documentary side of things is always exciting. And, and we've talked about it before, I think on this podcast of just, you know, getting to see little peeks behind the scenes and, and even, uh, I know like what what Aaron is going to talk with us about <laughs> later on in the show and getting sort of little glimpses behind the curtain, so to speak of stuff. And obviously the documentary will be a little more controlled probably, but, uh, but it still is, it's just a fun way, fun way of, uh, getting a peek behind what's going on with this, this band that we all love. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so the other piece of miscellany is uh, we want to give a shout out to our buddy Aaron Sams and all of the friends over at u2wanderer.org. They are transitioning their website to become u2songs.com. Um, so uh, the, uh, U2 Wanderer is the fan site of the week this week for on u2.com, which is great. So they're going out with a bang. And everything that is available through U2 Wanderer is being transitioned as we speak over to U2 Songs. So I'm sure that when they are are ready to do the uh, grand opening of the site, we will be um, giving them a virtual high five and and telling fans to go and check them out. But they just posted their um, what they're claiming to be their final story on YouTube Wanderer um, earlier in the week and everything is transitioning over to two songs. Yeah, congratulations. That's no easy feat to <laughs> rebrand and redesign and, uh, and just knowing the amount of uh, information just at, at that's in YouTubeWanderer.org as a whole and then trying to move that all over to a new site is uh, no easy feat. So congratulations to them yeah. on the launch of that and uh, getting everything and- set up. Yeah, and Chris, did um, you want to touch a little bit on the virtual reality stuff? Yeah, I know Matt was really, really excited about this, and he was wanting to talk about it, but unfortunately... He was totally geeking out about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which uh, I know we should have asked, uh, in the future, us, we should have asked Aaron about it, because I think he got to go to the actual bus, but um, I know that we forgot to, so we won't, <laughs> we won't ask him. <laughs> Anyways, the magic of editing. Um, you two partnered with, or I don't know who partnered with who exactly, you two partnered with Apple, partnered with this um, app, basically. It's a 360-degree sort of VR app that if you have uh, the Google Cardboard, which is like a – I thought it was a joke app or a joke thing, but it actually is a serious thing that Google develops, a 
some cardboard that's shaped to sort of make it your phone, turn your phone into a 3D experience so you can wear it on your head, on your face, and then look around in a VR app. And, and, so, and you don't even need that if you don't have the cardboard because I was able to watch it with my own phone, um, um, yeah. which happens to be Android. So it's, so it's not it's not exclusive only to um to um apple it's it's uh it's through this awesome company um that is revolutionizing the way that everything works with it yeah so they the apple can part was just they they actually set up a bus um, which is funny, being an Apple nerd, I you know I pay attention to the Apple news, obviously, and Twitter and stuff, and then I pay attention to the YouTube news on Twitter, and sort of seeing these two worlds combine again, which you know hasn't happened since Bono was on stage with Steve Jobs or whatever, uh, doing the U two iPod and stuff. But um, the this bus that had presumably just like some VR headsets of some sort with mm-hmm. with the song, the music video for a song for someone that uh, we all were wondering, you know, where did this footage go that fans had submitted to YouTube to basically be used for something? And turns out this is where some of that went anyways. And um, and it is a, it's a free app to download. So Verse is the app. It's called VRSE. VRSE is how you spell it. And uh, yeah, like Sherry said, you download it to your phone and then you start watching this video. And at first, if you've never experienced any sort of VR, it's kind of weird because you're like, how am I doing? I'm moving my phone around. You have to get, you're like, look, maybe you're, you happen to be looking up as I was laying in bed, looking at this thing and I'm looking up at the ceiling and I can hear Bono singing, but I'm like, okay, this is kind of dumb. I don't see anything, <laughs> but actually turning my phone down as it would, you know, in VR, because it, it shows, it responds to whatever you would be looking at. Um, and, uh, and then you can see the band, you can turn around and see edge and then it sort of, well, I won't spoil how the, the video goes, but it's definitely worth checking out, especially because it's free. Um, yeah, there's. It, it shouldn't have come to any surprise that this partnership actually happened. Um, we had reported back on uh, October 26th about it. So um, two of Versus main investors are Live Nation and Vice Media. And so um, you two obviously are linked to Live Nation with their contract through 2020. And Vice Media... Uh, agreed to team up to provide content to Live Nation. So um, Verse is one of those, you know, happy instances where uh, they were able to utilize this brand new technology for one of the big endeavors that Live Nation wanted to push forward using one of their marquee acts who happens to be kind of geeked out on all things technology. Um, And thinking back to... Um, the Zoo TV era, the even better than the real thing video, as well as a bit of their um, Thanksgiving broadcast back in '92, touched upon the whole world of virtual reality and 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 wearing of the goggles and stuff like that. So it's not something that, as I said, should come as a surprise to you two fans. The other little interesting. Uh, bit about that is Verse um, has an award-winning short film called Clouds Over Sidra. It's about a refugee, um, a Syrian refugee camp in the Jordanian desert. And the project came from a partnership with the United Nations Millennium Campaign. Um, Their senior advisor happened to be introduced to the, uh, one of the founders of Verse at a party by the edge at the time of uh, um, Songs of Innocence's launch. So 
there's there's been a thumbprint on this for for many many moons now so it was nice to finally see one of the end results i'm wondering if this isn't going to be the last virtual reality type of um experience that you two fans can expect yeah you can imagine if they even like the concert experience idea of like a song being played you know in let's say in dublin or whatever they would film one maybe having um whoever some some somebody related to the band or some sort of significant person group of people from Dublin or whatever sitting in the audience and filming from their perspective the show or whatever and at least just getting to see a song like that and you know looking around and seeing all the fans around you and all that kind of stuff could be really really cool I have no idea if a tech is even capable of doing that in a concert venue but uh, I would imagine it would be and uh, I kind of I kind of feel um, that whatever kind of technology could be used to film this band, it is being used right now, whether yeah. it's by <laughs> by fans or or it's by them or it's by some third party who who weaseled their way in. Um, um, almost every single aspect of this tour is being filmed. Yeah. So uh, uh, how it comes out, I haven't a clue, but there's going to be hours and hours and hours of footage that'll go into the archives, maybe never to be seen again, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, that's a reoccurring question. Actually, let's on that note, let's move into the inbox portion of the show, which we're kind of flipping around a little bit. This nice episode. segue. Yeah. <laughs> Professional podcaster here. The uh, um, constant sort of question of people is like, for years, U2 has been, you know, definitely going back to Zoo TV days, and if not sooner, filming every single concert and what is going to happen with all of this stuff and where is it going to end up and and who <laughs> never mind where but how is it being backed up is what the IT nerds want to know <laughs> what's going on how many hard drives are just labeled Zoo TV 1 Zoo TV 2 Zoo TV 3 um and uh and so on and so it's it's an interesting question and one that you know we might never get answered or we might have to wait until you know, uh, the band retires and Edge has time to go through all the hard drives in his basement or whatever the <laughs> situation might be. But I don't imagine it's something that they're going to spend a lot of time looking back at until the, sh- you know, they're, they have time, obviously. And, and that time would only seem to be happening if they're not touring and putting out new albums. You'd, you'd think there's, they seem to be a forward looking band in general. So I would imagine that's, uh, that, that we'll have to wait a little while before we see any archived material in any serious amount start showing up. And I'll, uh, like who is Bruce Springsteen, I know, and other people are putting out old old albums, old tours, not old yeah, albums. Yeah, I, I think that right now, while, while there's still new ideas and fresh ideas and all that stuff being generated, YouTube doesn't really want to... Uh, reflect on the past all that much. I mean, just a week ago, we were talking about how it was 15 years since, um, um, oh goodness, which album was it? Since um, All That You Can't Leave Behind was released and it was uh, um, another anniversary of How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb when that was released. And you would think that that with that length of time being passed that we would have seen a best of 2000 to 2010. And we haven't seen that yet. There's been no buzz. There's been no um, chatter about another best of. And I don't think that the band is prepared to do another best of right now. So... Mm-hmm. What I believe will end up happening is, you know, much like how there's still new material being released by Elvis Presley, believe it or not, there's um, um, the U.S. Postal Service was selling a, um, a CD 
with a previously unreleased exclusive to the USPS release um, um, song that that hadn't seen the light of day. So you figure if if there's still new stuff coming out long after this artist passed, um, I'm sure that there's a lot in the U2 archives that that won't come out until the band have passed and the kids have all decided that, you know, let's release something cool of dads. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that that is a very wise move to do to, um, release all the, all the good stuff while you're still alive and then release all the stuff that people will pay good money for once you're dead. Right. <laughs> not oh, that we want them to die. No, exactly. Soon. No, no, no. Do not misunderstand me. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, at Brenner Caffey that asked that question. I, I knew it was somewhere in here. I actually didn't have it in front of me. I just knew it was somewhere. Um, and uh, so thanks for that question, which you can submit yourself to if you want uh, using the Twitter hashtag ask at you too. And we'll, we'll endeavor to answer it at some point in the future. Um, I, just when you said that, it kind of made me think of uh, there'll, there'll be a time in the future where likely if as Bono's, you know, daughters and, and their kids and stuff, everybody's kids sort of get older and maybe do famous things on their own, that maybe Bono would just be known as uh, Eve, is it? That's the actress right yeah. now? Eve's dad and not Bono, the, the famous musician or whatever. And we'll be like, no, they're famous for music, not for being somebody's dad. Anyways, um, that'll happen in the future to us, I'm sure. Um, okay, so at Dunk Aldridge asked, is there a list of the pre-show music available online? Yes and no. Um, the band has been very good about shifting the pre-show music. So it's been tricky to try to stay on top of that. Um, I did do an article back in May uh, with some of the punk music that was being uh, performed as part of the pre-show music. And and we'll put the link to that article in the show notes. Um, and so over the course of the tour, it's, it's shifted from 70s punk and um, 80s new wave to 90s grunge and 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 some more recent songs. So uh, once again, our friends over at YouTube Wanderer, which will now be YouTube Songs, have um, put together um, a more comprehensive list, and they even have a link for um, somebody's Spotify list with um, with a better variety of the songs that have been played in the pre-show mix. Because you figure when GA gets allowed in that's about two to two and a half hours before the showtime and there is music playing as soon as the first fan enters into that building and they're just playing music all the way through up until uh, uh people have the power so that's a lot of time to try to kill on a nightly basis um but um, you will notice that for the last 20 minutes before showtime, it's the same song. So as soon as you start to hear um, the same show loop, then the countdown can start going, you know, okay, mm-hmm. we've got 20 minutes, we've got 15. Uh, Patty's coming up next. So uh, uh, for those who have been able to listen in on the Mixler streams or, or watching Periscope, um, we've been able to pick up on those types of cues to know that the show is about to start. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Zahara Desert, at Zahara Desert, uh, which I know is Sarah. She's on the other side. She is actually on the other side of the world. Uh, she, you heard her in the, uh, well, one of the last episodes anyways, with uh, uh, she sent in a, some audio clips. And uh, anyways, do you think that U2 will finally play songs from pop when the U2 tour turns into the Songs of Experience tour? I don't feel positive about that. 
um, simply because we know how much they kind of don't like pop. Um, uh, ironically, I've been listening to one of the Pop Mart shows. My um, husband wrote an OTR a couple weeks ago um, where he referenced the, the Leeds Pop Mart show. And so I've been listening to that as I'm driving around town. And every time I hear MoFo, I'm like, oh, we need that. We need MoFo. But but it's sort of the the angst version of Iris. You know, Iris is a very reflective, heartfelt, um, very uh, much an adult song about about the same topic. Whereas Mofo is filled with that anger and 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 that uh, frustration. That if you were to to play both of those songs back to back. It's literally the same, uh, um, the same there was thought. Some kind of theme, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know the whole punk thing and the line, um, um, white dopes on punk staring into the uh, uh, trash or staring into the flash. Um, that that would very much work coming out of Joey Ramone. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of pop moving forward. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll go keep going here. At Dunk Aldridge asks my his bucket list is which we talked about in a previous episode. Just catching up on some of the uh, Ask Out You Two questions and mentions my bucket. His bucket list is to see you two in New Zealand and Dublin and see a full gig with an orchestra. Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, if you could hop on a plane and be in Nashville on November tenth, uh, you might be able to get half of that. Um, <laughs> Um, um, I think that I had listed that as one of my bucket list items too, that I would really love to have a U2 experience with a full symphony orchestra. Um, you know, the, the two shots of happy, one shot of sad, you know, all of the preview, um, songs that the band did, uh, uh, to promote, uh, but this current re- release with every breaking wave with the strings and all that stuff, it would just sound so beautiful. Um, but, you know, the Nashville Symphony and Rock Band uh, at, at, at their Symphony Center in Nashville, they are doing that. Um, that'll be on November 10th at 7.30. I don't know if there's still tickets available, but if you're in the Nashville area and got nothing to do on Tuesday night, uh, go and check that out. Yeah, UTGW in the chat room says, my sister lives in Nashville. May, might need to go visit her. <laughs> um, all right, uh, at WatchMoon289CJS, is it true that Larry dropped his drumstick during the middle of recording of Ultraviolet and they left it in that way? I think I hear it. Is that I wasn't there, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and if they did, then then yeah. <laughs> there is that, um, the one song, what is the song where he counts it in and then, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Somebody in the chat room can help me out. You can hear him count it in and then stop. Yeah, and- that would be, uh, well, well, he did a count in for the, um, for their version of, um, Jesus Christ on, on one of the, um, tribute albums to, I think it was Jimmy Rogers. Right. There's one, uh, yeah, it'll come to me and I'm sure, a mil- not a million, but a couple hundred YouTube fans are out there shouting at their podcast players <laughs> saying, why can't you remember? Th-? Anyways, we'll move on and, and it'll come to one of us. At RVH95 asked, do you think the band completely scrapped the HBO documentary, which we covered a little earlier in the show? 
It'll be back later. Stay 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 tuned. tuned. (laughs) Yeah. At Hiding in the Berg asks, sorry in advance if I missed it, but are you still hoping to post a guide to Dublin for us first-time Dublin visitors? Yes, we are in the final editorial stages of it. And luckily for us, we have some staff who live in Dublin. So they've been able to uh, walk the streets and make sure that we have the right information. So that will be forthcoming within the next week because we understand that some people are going to be flying over for the uh, Belfast shows as well and want to um, get all of their plans organized. So we hope to have that published within the next week. Yeah. And we'll be, uh, you know, timing, uh, if everything aligns right, obviously too, we'll discuss a bit of that too on the podcast. So if you have questions, in, again, depending on when it drops and when we record the next episode, we'll maybe answer questions or clarify anything that comes up out of that or mention a few things just from our own personal experience as well that might be a little interesting to add some color to that. Um, at SPPS Arnold. Sup Arnold. Sup Arnold. Suggestions for finding surfing the feeds during a live show. Mixler, Periscope, Meerkat, don't know where to start. Uh, which is, a, I know it's a frequent question from folks because it does feel a little bit like random and then all of a sudden Sherry or somebody is like, well, obviously you go right here and she just tweets well, out the yeah, link. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also very much um, um, a... Uh, ADHD kind of thing where where your attention is being scattered in 15 different places just trying to find uh, um, a link or the, or whatever um, because I don't have an iPhone or or any kind of Apple product um, Periscope for me is not the the easiest to navigate so I rely heavily on Twitter and one of the tricks that I have is I just use um, um, Within uh, TweetDeck, uh, they there's a search mechanism where I can just search for the terms Periscope and U2 or um, hashtag U2IE tour. Um, and that's where I've been finding a lot of the streams that I'm able to watch. I also rely on, um, on some of the people who I follow on Periscope to make recommendations for me. Then once I'm into that link, then I can tweet out that link at the same time. Tim Newfeld, who is Mr. Periscope around here, he um, he's put together on his blog a a list of of known periscopers who um, who should be at the show. And when their periscope is live, their their little icon flashes a different color and it says live, and then you can just link directly from there. But a brand new feature that just launched uh, earlier in this week, our fine friends over in Zootopia boards um, and, and the zoo moderators on YouTube.com, they have uh, uh, begun using embedded periscope um, screens within some of the fan chats within um, the Zootopia area. So if if all else fails, log into your YouTube.com account, go into Zootopia and um, whatever Periscope stream is currently live, you can watch it right there and, and, and that'll save you a lot of that surfing time. What we did find in London was some nights we had really good streams, and others, it was painful. You know, while this is a first world problem, uh, the um, signal for the cell phones um, come, comes and goes. So 
uh, depending on where people are stationed in the arena, depending on the weather. Maybe the fog had something to do with it. I don't know. But for the first couple nights in London, we had great streams. And then for the last um, couple nights, we were really struggling. Even Meerkat struggled. So we know that if U2's official... um, meerkat link-ups were having difficulties, then the fans were also suffering the same fate. So it's 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 very um, easy to find when there's a lot of them, and when there isn't, then uh, it's word of mouth. But I will say this, when I am hosting the live stream on at U2's Twitter account, whatever I find out, I try to tweet out um, multiple times. So especially with the Mixler streams, those have been wonderful. And, and, you know, on behalf of everybody, we're just so grateful and so thankful mm-hmm. to the fans who have dedicated their bandwidth and their time and have actually um, had a more reserved time at the show so that we can all listen in. And their sacrifice has, has brought a lot of joy to fans globally. So um, it's been very much a grassroots effort and we couldn't do it without the fans who would put in the uh, time and the dime to do so. Yeah, and the arm strength or whatever. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah, especially Periscope, but even the Mixler too. Like you, you're obviously not just sticking it in your pocket and recording. You're you're holding your phone up or whatever somewhere anyways up, up above a bit of the noise and uh, uh, or into the noise, I guess. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Having, having done it and having tried it, it does impact your ability to really enjoy the show. And if you're as bouncy as I am, um, it, it, um, I love you guys, but I'm not going to do it in Dublin. (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to warn you now, there will be enough people there. I'm, I'm, I feel pretty confident somebody else will have a stream going, but, um, mine will be totally garbled and, and not of any use to anybody. Lots of cheering and weeping from Bouncing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, before we run into uh, that, was the last ask at you two question for this episode, um, which, like we've mentioned before, you can send in your own comments, thoughts, questions for the show that you want to throw into our inbox by using hashtag ask at you two on Twitter and we'll collect those and use them in a future show. And we thank all of you for submitting those. It uh, definitely creates, creates great talking points and things to discuss on the episode. Um, before we jump into the roundtable with Aaron, I just want to do a quick brief shout out of thanks to a sponsor for the episode and for this podcast that helps take care of the hosting for us. And that's FeedPress. That's who we use for doing the podcast hosting as well as gives us great analytics on the, the podcast. They just launched a great new feed Speaking of sort of the global audience of U2, obviously, and even the U2 podcast that we do, um, uh, geoanalytical stats that we get for the podcast where we can sort of see where folks are coming from in the world. We don't know your exact address. Don't get too creeped out. It's just kind of like there's this many folks from Russia and this many folks from uh, uh, what's another country? (laughs) Australia. (laughs) as if I can blank on a name of countries in the world. Um, and they give us give you 250 megabytes of flexible file stores that rolls over each month. And you can easily upload, you know, at least, at least four episodes per month, um, unless you have extreme talkers like we do sometimes, and, and you might need a little more space, but you can easily upgrade your storage starting at a flat rate of just $20 for a gigabyte. If you go to feed.press slash ATU2 today, you can sign up and try FeedPress for 14 days, no contracts or commitments. 
And then you can use promo code, again, ATU2, during checkout to get 10% off your first year of hosting. So that's for bloggers or podcasters, but especially podcasters is sort of obviously where we're interested in um, and what we use them for. Um, that's Feedpress. So thanks, thanks to them for supporting at you too and goodstuff.fm. All right. And, well, coming, and coming out of that sponsorship message, I would like to personally thank the people in our chat room as we're recording live because they corrected me. It was the Woody Guthrie tribute, not the Jimmy Rogers go. tribute <laughs> for the version of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much. Good stuff, you too. Yeah. And uh, and double sort of, uh, not, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I'm, my brain's failing me. So uh, Double kudos. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, there's uh, Feed Press staff member in the chat room I know who's being educated on some U2 stuff by the folks in the chat room which is awesome to see uh, he's a new U2 fan newish U2 fan and uh, starting from Zoo TV and sort of working forward and working backwards I think from there and so great to see we're recording at a different time like I mentioned than usual and folks are still showing up and, and it's great to see in the in the chat room Which so if you're looking for that later um, and want to join in goodstuff.fm slash live is where we, you can listen to the live stream when we record Typically 10.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights, but we are also trying to be a little more flexible because we, as we, you'll hear shortly here with Aaron, we have obviously at U2 staffers around the world and we want to make sure we get some of their voices uh, on the show as well. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation we had earlier with Aaron and then Sherry and I'll be back afterwards to wrap everything up. Because, okay, so for folks who don't know, how many shows, the London shows did you go to of the London shows? I only did did all six. Okay, (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> just the six, eh? Just the six. So I'm not uh, doing. I'm not. I'm not doing this weekend. But yeah, it was great fun. Absolutely yeah. great fun. And so, do they do they start to blend together a bit when you're, you know, watch? Well, I mean, it was it was. I tell you what, the situation was for me. I on the nights one, three, and five, I had seats, and for nights two, four, and six, I was standing. So I had the best of both worlds because. I was able to really um, see the show from different aspects, you know, particularly um, in the seats. I, I really enjoyed being in the seats, for enough, <laughs> as well as being in the GA. Um, I, I, I can imagine the GA, if you did it every night, it was getting a bit deja vu. Um, I mean, I, sp- I spoke to Harry Cantas a few times. You know Harry? Um, he's yeah. a big YouTube fan, and he's done about 30 on the tour, and he and he, him and his wife have been on the stage a couple of times um, on the E stage. And I said to him, what do you think? He was generally saying, I'm getting bored of it now. But this is what we do, don't we? We go to the concert almost like um, it's essential that we go because it's on and therefore we have to be there. And that, that's pretty much how I felt towards the end. It's but, Sunday, uh, you have to go to church. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, It's like I have to, I have to shave, I have to go to you too. I have to eat. I have to go to you too. I have to shave. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. So, and you mentioned that uh, you didn't want to wake anybody up. So, is your family or friends that you're living with? Are they're not also accompanying you to every every single show? Well, my wife was due to go to about two of them, and she's a nurse, and she has pretty horrendous shifts. So she couldn't. One night she could make it, but I think she came off such a bad um, shift the night before. She really couldn't face up to it. And then go to work the next day and be in, be in hospital at seven o'clock in the morning. I was able to cope with it reasonably well because the nice thing about going to the O2 was that the shows never start until 8.30 at night, generally. And I was arriving generally around seven o'clock at night. 
no problem. So one night I left at half past four in the afternoon, still had plenty of time to have a meal down there, make my way down, nice and relaxed. So it wasn't too tiring. It only felt tiring, to be honest with you, coming back and having to stay awake in the car. <laughs> in fact, Kenny Irwin, who's the forum moderator, he actually um, came down on the first show with me. And he, he was really brave because he drove down from um, just above Edinburgh in Scotland. And that was a four and a half to five hour trip down. Got in the car with me, then drove down to, as I say, the Stanmore station, got the tube. So he had a long day, did the concert and then drove back with me to my house. And at about two o'clock in the morning, then got in the car again to drive all the way back to Scotland. Got home at half past six in the morning and went into work at eight. Wow. Have we checked in with Kenny? Did you know if he's still around? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kenny's Kenny's fine. Kenny, in fact, okay. he, the uh I don't know how much of what you what what you experienced you're able to share exactly in detail and stuff, but you had some fun at the shows. Any what what sort of memorable moments from the show um I guess during the show but then also before or after whatever that you want to share with the folks? Yeah, well, well for sure. I mean the first uh, night I think was just exhilarating because even though I'd seen a fair amount of the concerts on YouTube um, I hadn't seen every single song on YouTube, but I'd certainly seen the first half of the show. So I had some expectation of what to experience, but being there was just something completely different. And the audience as well had was a very different audience to the one I experienced on 360, on, certainly on the, Verti- um, on the uh, Vertigo tour. It really felt like, the, the, for me, a, a fresh start all over again for you too something i hadn't seen since um, the elevation tour so for me it was quite liberating to see them indoors again to see the show in complete darkness because quite often the shows in the uk have been held in the summer and it doesn't really get dark outside till 10 o'clock so it loses a little bit of atmosphere and of course this show relies on tremendously on atmosphere it's just fantastic so the first night I was actually sitting quite close to East Stage um, at the back of the arena. The second night I um, had uh, GA tickets and that was a pretty amazing night because I had actually just been speaking to Harry Cantas. My friend was with me and my mobile phone rang and it was a friend of mine who happens to be Edge's cousin. Hmm. And she said, I'm here at the concert and I need some help because I can't get in. And I said, that's not a problem. I'll come and find you. I said, I'm not going into this concert for a good hour or so, but I'll come and find you. And she was at the box office, and she was having a terrible time trying to get tickets sorted out. And she works for uh, the Mencap charity, which is one of the charities that are supported by U2 on this tour, and obviously a big uh, charity supported by The Edge himself. And um, anyhow, I go out to the arena and find her outside and get her tickets sorted out because she had a whole bunch of people with her from, from Mencap, some, some uh, personnel that worked with her, but also as well some, some guests. And so I followed her, followed her in. She said, well, why don't you come in with me and we'll go we'll see what's going on. I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, look, I just need to go and get my, my um, credit card and my passport to my friend because he's been patiently waiting in the queue for three quarters of an hour and he wants to go in. So I explained to him, well... Ian, you go in. I'll see you later. I'll probably need to give you a call because I'm not sure whether I can get in or not. So, cut a long story short, just get on for about half past six. We get into this kind of, I can't really describe it anywhere else, but a VIP area. And uh, 
I'm think next thing I know, I'm handed this backstage pass, much to my surprise. I wasn't expecting it at all. And of course, as we're as we're hanging around, there's all these ladies coming up, waitresses and waiters coming up, offering hors d'oeuvres and champagne and all very nice pieces of food. And of course, I'm starving at this point, so I'm more than happy. I'm I'm in my elements because I'm thinking to myself, you know, it was it was McDonald's otherwise, but now I'm being served lovely, beautiful sandwiches and whatever. So I was very very pleased, chatting away. And of course, at this point, I'm looking around. I'm thinking, I can't believe it. Look at him over there. So there's guys out of Coldplay, you name it. There are famous act- British actors around. And it was his only early evening. And um, I thought to myself, I looked across and I thought, my God, it's Gavin Friday. Now, of course, the Virgin Prunes and Gavin Friday, big, big heroes to me. Couldn't resist. I had to go over, do the old selfie with Gavin. <laughs> very, very sad. But, you know, a big hero of mine. Spoke to Dick Evans, met Googie, you name it. All the all the U two uh, all the U two family were there, and Edge's relatives, daughters, wives, you name it. They're all there. And within the next ten minutes, we're then going through the backstage, and I still don't know what's going on at this point. But I'm following Edge's cousin, and she's saying, "Come on, come on, come following." And next thing, I'm looking across, and I'm seeing. Um, all of the U2 guys, so Dallas Shoe is there, there's uh, Sebastian Clayton is there, Martin Rowe is there going on the corridor, and I'm thinking to myself, I must be backstage. Am I backstage? I think I'm backstage. Seriously, I'm so I'm so excited at this point, I'm, I don't know where I'm going. Eventually, we go to this more private area, so there's, a, there's like a VIP VIP area. And um, I, at that point, then I noticed I have this badge that's hanging around my neck, and it says Cedarwood Lounge. And I see this little room at the at the backstage, which I guess is where the dressing rooms were. And we're all put into this this room with the with the uh, Mencap charity people. And I said, "What's going on?" And she says, "Oh, well, Edge will be here in a minute." Well, of course, you can imagine. Pretty much excitement was going on galore. Anyhow, within the next ten minutes or so, Edge came in, and he very very nice. Um, spend all his time with the the various uh, guests among there. I think it was a, just a typical meet and greet. Um, but he, he spent a good 20 minutes or so and uh, came along to me at the end. And I said to him, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, big fan, of course. You know, met, met, I have met him a couple of times, to be fair, but never like in a one-to-one situation quite like that before. And um, amongst many other things, it's quite surreal how you start talking. I mean, I was talking to him about the show and then the show was started talking about Dublin, talking about house prices in Dublin. I mean, what a stupid thing to be talked to the edge about and how expensive it was to live in Dublin. He was saying, yeah, it was really expensive, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, one thing I really would love to hear tonight is out of control. And I'll never forget it because he he wagged his his finger in my face and said, well, you never know. And, of course, they played it that night. Now, I'm sure they were going to play it anyhow, but it did make me feel better, I can assure you. So that that was that was pretty wonderful, and um, then we had a little bit more time backstage. Um, we saw Bono, we saw Adam, there was hundreds of people. The one thing that was incredible about it was the fact that amongst all of the um, chaos, and it really was chaos because I think it was only about twenty to thirty minutes before the show was beginning. Everything was like electricity in the in the air, and only the edge was as calm as a cucumber. You would have thought he was. He was, you know, just just on a, on a on a night out watching the telly or something. You would never believe he was about to go out in front of twenty thousand people. That was the one thing that really struck me. 
But around around the backstage, it was really very, very vibrant, very, very exciting for sure. As we came out of the uh, the backstage area, we went back to the VIP area where the lounge was, and I was quite animated and excited at this point. And God, it's really hot in here. And she said, "Take your coat off. You're really hot." So I took my coat off, Chris, and amongst the animation of explaining the, the excitement of the size of the arena, I happened to whack this man on the side of the head. And I, when I say whack, I mean really whack him. Just take my coat off. And I, I looked around and I said, oh, I'm very sorry. And the guy turned around to me, oh, that's okay, no harm done, in a Manchester accent. And of course, I'd only whacked um, Noel Gallagher, of all the people. Luckily, he was luckily he was in good condition at the end because he played he actually played the encore that night. Only I forget what the song was now. Was it, I still haven't found. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, I was going to say it's lucky it wasn't Liam for one probably, and uh, and that he was still. Oh, if it was Liam, if it was Liam, <laughs> I would be on the floor. <laughs> yeah. No two ways about it. Yeah. So that was that was a big highlight for me, concert too. But um, overall, my my overwhelming thought of the concerts was just the theme of. Uh, what we saw each and every night. I mean, it was just fantastic. And uh, a very, very powerful performance by Bono in particular, I thought. Um, his voice was just in incredible form. And um, I love the relaxed atmosphere of how the band seemed to mingle and interact with the fans in a much more social way, not just because of the fact we've got the mere cat influences and the, and the social network influences, but they themselves seem very much more relaxed um, with with the with where they were on the on the on the catwalk where they would be on the on the stage, and uh, I think that that relaxation play, made a big difference as well in the songs. The songs themselves were very very well played. They were quite loose. They weren't taut. You know they, they came across very very well, and and I think uh, some of the the older songs which we hadn't heard for a while really made a big difference. Particularly you know going into the darker part of the set between uh, Every Breakaway of October's Europa, that made a big big difference. I thought to the to the way the tour uh, happened, and on a personal basis, I was able to tick off a few songs I hadn't heard for a long time. Certainly since the 1980s, I hadn't heard um, Gloria since I think um, 89 on the Lovetown tour, probably the same for, for 40. Um, and of course the other advantage, Chris, had been on the six nights was I did manage to get to hear Volcano, mm -hmm. which of course I know I know that's Matt's personal favourite. Um, he's a big fan of Volcano, he's, he's telling me that. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did try to convince the band to play Sleep Like a Baby tonight, but oh, uh, they said they were keeping it. that... They, they said they're going to keep that one special for Matt, a personal performance in Dublin. Because, um, so, you know, he loves that song. He I know. really loves yeah. that song. You'd sort of tweeted out, like, I think it was Volcano and something else before the show, thinking, you know, hoping that we'd play a song, and then they, like, they played it. So do you feel like somebody's watching your Twitter account at YouTube, maybe, that's... I, I don't think so. I think I think I was just very good at guessing. <laughs> I have one... I must admit, one night I seemed to be on fire with guessing what songs were going to be played, and you know, songs that hadn't been played on the tour at all, and they, I came up trumps. But, uh, yeah, that, that was quite exciting to hear Volcano, I must admit. Just, if only just to tick the box of songs that I, you know, wouldn't hear. Mm -hmm. how, did that, how did a song like that go off in the room, do you think? Were you able to sort of feel if it was like a... Well, 
I, I was probably the furthest away I had been on the entire six nights from the stage because, of course, they played on the E stage. I don't know. I don't think it went down that well, I have to be honest with you, and that's probably why uh, they haven't played it so much. But uh, it made a, you know, for the, for the core U2 fans there, I mean, they were delighted to hear it, particularly as it was the only time it was, it was going to be played. I think there was a little disappointment in, in amongst, when I spoke to a couple of the fans, there, there hasn't been a little bit more experimentation in the London shows, particularly just just hearing the opportunity of hearing something like the Crystal Ballroom, just the once, you know, particularly over six nights. But it's a minor gripe at the end of the day, and it's always difficult because you've got to drop a song. Yeah. You bring that in, what are you going to drop? Yeah. You know, it's always very difficult. And of course, there's only six shows in, in England. Um, two in Scotland this weekend. Hopefully, they, you know, the, the, in Scotland they may get uh, some some new songs that haven't been played in London. But anyhow, it's it's a minor gripe. Yeah, it, it, you sort of wonder, like as as relaxed as you said, the band seem to be backstage and stuff, and and even when they're playing live, it is still like sort of this big, a big venue on top of a big venue on top of like being London, sort of the center of the of one world, anyways, part of the world, and uh, and maybe they're just a, they don't want to mess up and have a bad show there, I guess, or something, but. So yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, they had they had some very good reviews any of the first night, and um, you know, I mean, the the whole of the digital and uh, media press seemed to give them a, a fairly uh, fairly good and strong reviews. You know, particularly because I guess you know, nowhere more so than the UK, there was a lot of flack. Obviously, this time last year with the whole way the album was released. Um, I don't suppose they need reminding of that by me telling them that again, <laughs> but. Um, but it, no, I think it went down very well, and I think they really enjoyed the O2 because it's on the River Thames. Um, it's an entertainment um, centre in any case. I mean, on the Monday night, uh, which I think might have been night two, it was packed out with loads of people who actually weren't going to see the U2 concert because it has a big Cineworld cinema, and it was the James Bond premiere. Oh, yeah. Was, so, you know, there's lots of things going on. There's loads of people there who didn't even know you two were on even that night, you know, because it's such it's such a big complex in in, in down there. But um yeah, really, really good, I have to say. So yeah, James really. Bond reverberating through the walls and you two reverberating through the walls to James Bond yeah. somehow. Yeah. Uh some folks in the chat room have a couple of questions and I don't know if you had a chat how much uh, you, you mentioned t- chatting with Edge and their their UTGW mm. is asking how much about if the edge said much about how he feels about the way the show's narrative is progressing, maybe a deeper question than the housing market in, in Ireland, but <laughs> no, I, I have to say to my eternal shame, I don't think I actually mentioned that at all. I think I remember speaking to him about, um, guitar tuning. I remember speaking to him about the, the use of the Gibson Explorer. <laughs> yeah. All this, all the nerd questions that only I could come up with. <laughs> um, but which, to be fair, I think he quite enjoyed those questions. But um, no, we didn't talk too much about the the, the stage show itself. Um, I wish I had now. Cracky, now that's been said. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that'll be one of those anytime one of those life experiences where you come up with a million questions afterwards that you could, could have asked. But had you known going in you were going to be doing that, you probably would have been a bundle of nerves the whole night and wouldn't have enjoyed yourself as much. But exactly, yeah. One person I did meet actually on the last night was Joe Hurley. Um, U2 sound man and I did say to him the sound was incredible and he was saying that in particular the O2 with a very high roof um, made made that sound a lot lot easier to uh, to, to deal with um, 
but the concerts were very loud in any case. I mean, they really were, the quality of the sound was magnificent, but the, the loudness also uh, made a big difference, particularly through Raised by Wolves. Oh, nice. Did you, uh, the other question was, how was shooting the Periscope that you did on the, the Gloria Night? Did it affect your enjoyment of the show at all, or was it just kind of like a fun way to get a peek into who else was watching with you? Well, I think on Gloria Night was fortunate for me because I was in the seats, and because the way the seats are raked, you, I didn't have any problems holding that, um, holding my iPhone at all uh, throughout that. I mean, the periscope was quite interesting because I had no idea how it worked until the night I tried it. So it was a bit of an experiment on my on my part. I mean, I was obviously aware of Tim, Tim Newfield and his um, crystal ballroom. But it did surprise me the number of people who seemed to join in because, of course, as you're watching the periscope and happen, other people are inviting other people. So it's like a cannonball effect. And I think I had about 600, 700 people at one point on uh, Gloria, at least by Vertigo. And then, of course, it naturally just dropped off. And uh, I think I had to stop mainly because my battery ran out. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny to think of, of 700 people watching you and any arm movement you make is is being broadcast out to 700 exactly. people. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, anything else to, to share before? I want to make sure we let you go when you need to go. So, um, But any other things to share from the show, that, uh, any highlights you want to share? I, I think, really, the one thing that I came away from the shows was that I went into the shows thinking this is almost going to be like a farewell tour in one respect. Um, farewell, certainly for the indoor shows. I keep thinking to myself, you know, how much more longer can these guys keep doing this? This band that's been around for 39 years the same four members there's been nobody leaving there's been nobody rejoining there's been an album every couple of years an album and tour every couple of years and the way they played it felt like they were just this brand new band and it's quite hard to believe it but i generally think they can carry on doing this for another 20 odd years Mm-hmm. I really do hope so. That was the thing I came out of out of the the O2 the other night. I, I was saying that to my friend. You feel like this band is just going to go on and on and on, and I can't wait for songs of experience, songs of ascent, whatever album comes out. You know, we're as U2 fans, we're always going to naturally um, enjoy enjoy the album. You know, the odd song some people don't like, like "Sleep Like a Baby Tonight." I don't know who mentioned that to me once, but um, <laughs> there's the odd there's the odd dud. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. We're, we're not talking about. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was that was the one thing I, I did feel that the, the band had a certain freshness, and uh, it's certainly you know that's that's great at this stage of their career. I think they're going to avoid the Rolling Stones, endless greatest hits tour, and appear every five years and thousand dollars a ticket. I hope so. Anyhow, yeah, that's a, it's definitely been the reoccurring sort of theme of of people who've seen you two over the years many times, not just people who've been to one show, but who've seen them over the years and see this show and, 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 you know, looking at the set list and how much of the new album is still incorporated. It's not like a one song, just a token new, new album song. Like they're, it's built yeah. around this album. And so, well, um, I, th- I, I think all of the new songs were very, very well, um, incorporated in the show, very cleverly put in, um, very w- well slotted. I mean, Joey Ramone has to be the opener. There's no two ways about it. But then, this whole Iris Cedarwood Road song for someone raised by Will's part, and then finished off until the end of the world. It was clever how they managed to bring in, you know, Sunny Bloody Sunday and all those songs and weave them into a kind of thematic. And I, I had said a year ago that 
on the uh, when we were reviewing the staff were reviewing on the YouTube website uh, I felt this was a, an outright concept album and for sure the, if it's not a concept album it's certainly been a concept tour mm-hmm. that's one thing I, I feel strongly about um, but yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant awesome alright Aaron well thanks we'll let you go and get back to work and, uh, and thank uh, you very much are you, are you attending I forget if you're going to some of the Glasgow shows or one of the no, no, not going to Glasgow, not going to Paris, but I will be attending Dublin. All right. Well, well uh, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about that show, <laughs> the Dublin shows yet to come. Looking forward to it. Okay, thanks, Aaron. We'll let you go. Get, right. back, to, get back to the work. Make the money so you can buy the tickets. <laughs> thanks very much, Chris. Take care. God bless. Bye. That's a real Zoo TV moment. All right. Thanks, Aaron, for uh, taking the time out of your day at uh, the vacuum office to <laughs> come onto the show. No, we, we kid, Aaron, because he, he, he was gracious enough to call in from work. Hopefully he didn't get in trouble and, and doesn't get in trouble by calling in from work. And uh, they happen to be back. The good thing about that is is that should be the only thing that sucked about the interview. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I've always said with every podcast. And I, I know you know, because I tell the at you two staffers who are nervous to come on the show is like the stories and the content that we tell is way more interesting and more more valuable than just how whether you have a three hundred dollar or a fifty dollar or no dollar microphone will make do um and uh and it's just fun to to hear from everybody so um the uh what's coming up next is uh well glasgow stops are obviously coming up right away and uh and then paris right for the recordings yep. the hbo yep. special we are we are finally in the home stretch of leg number two and i'm sure that the band and the crew are really looking forward to their holiday break. That's for sure. So we go Glasgow, Paris, Belfast, Dublin, and then Bono and Edge head over to New York for Carnegie Hall for the um, for the event that just got announced for World AIDS Day. That'll be a night of music celebrating ten years of One and Red. Oh my God, it's been a decade for them already. I can't believe that. Yeah, I can remember when it was announced and it kind of, it, you know, the sort of branding takeoff of one and, and stuff. And then just like as a, another organization that Bono was was getting involved with or whatever. And, and even then it, it was, I remember feeling anyways as a uh, fan back then, just not sure how long this thing would be a, a thing, right? And like, yeah, for you to, like you said, 10 years now. <laughs> It's yeah, incredible. well, you know, it was um, born out of the Jubilee 2000 campaign, right? And and as soon as the Elevation tour began, the band had a built-in audience full of activists who would, you know, write letters on behalf of political prisoners for Amnesty International or to support Greenpeace or some of their other initiatives. So it was a built-in. Um, foundation start, you know, once again, a grassroots effort uh, that they utilized the Elevation Tour to its uh, fullest extent to try to build up um, one and 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 to kick off um, Red. And then over the years, they've been able to continue that through all of the different tours. So, um, you know, it's 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 very exciting. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then of course the Paris shows and we'll be I mean we'll be back next week we're not going away it's only <laughs> we're only going away for a week so uh, the November fourteenth broadcast of course of the HBO special so be aware I guess of if it's going to be broadcast in your area and, and what what uh, what times and stuff like that and maybe plan a, a party of some sort but I'm sure there's some sort of limitation on how many people you're supposed to have at an HBO viewing. <laughs> But uh, as long as you're not charging admission, right? You can have as many people in go. 
in my living room as possible. So, <laughs> so I, I know it's a bit of a hike, but you're welcome uh, to come on over next week if you want. And probably no periscoping of the HBO special. That would probably be... <laughs> Somebody threatened to periscope me watching it. Right. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's must-see TV. Which actually, that brings me up a, an idea that I had. I'm sort of stealing this from another podcast. I think it's called, a uh, podcast is Hello Internet, if there's any listeners of that podcast. But taking a picture of yourself somehow while you're listening to the At YouTube podcast and posting on Instagram with the hashtag ask, or sorry, hashtag At YouTube podcast would be awesome to see. Just like I was mentioning earlier with FeedPress, the geoanalytics and stuff, and sort of seeing the different folks around the world. But And obviously, if you're listening to the podcast on your phone, it's hard to take a picture of yourself with the podcast album art or something. I don't know how you do that, but if you've got the devices and the way how and know how and the way how, whatever that means, um, it'd be awesome to just sort of see where this podcast is going in the world and uh, and uh, we'll we'll feature you in, in terms of a link, obviously, in the sh- in future episodes. If you want, if not, then uh, then don't. <laughs> don't put it on the internet, but um, uh, just to see where the folks are, who are you folks are who are listening to this podcast. It's it's fun to see your Twitter accounts and and you you know in the live chat room and stuff like that. But uh, just to get a little taste of you two and at you two in your world would be awesome to see. The Dublin Guide should be published by then, hopefully, and we'll be discussing that. And uh, follow along if you want. Twitter.com slash ATU2 is where the at you two Twitter account is. Of course, goodstuff.fm slash ATU2. So we can find this episode and previous episodes of this podcast. We just wrapped up our sort of two episode extravaganza covering the 20th anniversary of at u2.com. So you can go and back and listen to that if you haven't and you need something to fill, what, two and a half hours of your, your life or whatever we did there. <laughs> but it was great, great fun. And uh, and like I mentioned earlier, Twitter, you can use the hashtag ask at u2, submit questions and comments for the show. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash at u2.com. Uh, Sherry, where are you on the internet if people want to? Well, I'm at, at U2Com Sherry. And I'm iChris, and Matt McGee is somewhere out in the world. You'll have to ask him where he was today. <laughs> Apparently he had to work or something, I guess. And you can find Aaron Govern at oh, yeah. Ivanobe uh, on Twitter. Yeah. It always throws me off when I go to look for him on Twitter. I <laughs> uh, should have asked him about his story behind his name. Anyways, thanks you. Next show. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you again next week. And if you are so inclined, one last little request. I know we put a, put a lot out there on you. If you're so inclined to go into uh, iTunes, if you use it, leave a rating or review on the iTunes store. It definitely helps get the word out about the show. And uh, we really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>